Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, drivers recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because it's suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with the dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> Well, g'day. Welcome to golf. Andrew Datto is my name, and the job is pretty good um, and pretty straightforward. It's just to introduce you to different characters from the game of golf and to see the game another way. Sometimes it might be someone you know, like Craig Parry or Bruce Green or someone like that, Grant Dodd, and sometimes it might be someone you don't know. And I'm not sure you'll know this guy unless you play golf at Coolangatta Tweed. His name is Jared Love. He is the professional there. Um, and he came to golf in a fairly circuitous route and quite a famous route. He's been on all the tours. Um, he's been to Europe. He's played, well, he hasn't played. He's been in the Open. He's done the Masters. He's done Japan. He's had wins all over the world but as a caddy for Y.E. Yang. Uh, it's a really interesting story. He's a lovely guy. Um, as I say, the pro from Coolangatta Tweed, uh, which is a course I got to play over Christmas time. I loved it. I played it before lockdown uh, in the rain and the greens were off their chops. It was brilliant. So he had a lovely chat. Really lovely guy, um, great stories and interesting stories and an interesting perspective on the game of golf. So I think you're going to like it. Jared Love. It's a bit of a full circle story, really, because I I actually, the, the first caddying job I got was in with Scott Gardner, mm. was through me being a member at Cool and Gutter Tweet Hits. So I was a member there. Scott was a member there, and he played an amateur event there, which is still going now. The Twin Towns Open, and I was playing rugby league at the time, and I injured my shoulder, and I said, oh, "I'll caddy for you if you want." And um, he ended up shooting eight under and won that tournament, which was a two-day event. And he said, "Oh, look, I'm in the Australian Open. Would you like to come down and caddy for me?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." And it was the year that Aaron Badley won, so yeah. as an amateur, and Scott was an amateur as well, and he came eleventh, which would be probably a big deal if an amateur hadn't won um and then he <laughs> you know so he sort of got no real limelight and the, and the next event 
was the Australian Masters, and he came seventh in that, another right. top ten as an amateur, and he got an invite to the Greg Norman in- Invitational. And uh, he got top amateur there, which was – he came top ten again, eighth, did really well. But in that event was Adam Scott's first event, and he shot ten under one of the rounds, so that took a bit of boss off him as well. And, um, yeah, when he turned pro, I caddied for him and just met a bunch of guys, and that's how I met Paul Sheehan, and it sort of escalated from there. Okay, so what's your role – as a caddy, like for, I can I imagine, well, no, I, I can't imagine. What is your role? Are you doing the yardages? Are you lining yeah, cuts? Yeah, well, it's, it's gotten easier and easier, I would imagine, um, these days. But, you know, you get a yardage book. Um, even when I was caddying years ago, there was um, Simon Clark used to do them. He did a great job with his yardage books. And, uh, you, you know, you need that yardage book. And you used to go and put as many numbers in that as possible carries on bunkers and things like that, which there was some in there, but not all. Where now the yardage books you get, they're so detailed. Um, you can pretty much just grab a yardage book and turn up and then, you know, you just got to give your player yardages and give your opinion on, on what club you should, uh, should hit. And I think at, at the end of the day, um, and you hear this a lot, but it's just your delivery in how you're, um, you know, giving your message, how confident, you know, you don't want to be, you know, I think in Japan, I used to call it, they, they used to suck wind up there to, <laughs> a bit like that before they'd uh, give their opinion. And it's it never, never really filled uh, a lot of players with confidence, but um, the, I, I so the Japanese caddies, the Japanese caddies would, would suck wind before Some, they'd give an opinion. Yeah, quite a few would actually, yeah, you'd hear the wind, sucking wind and yeah. you'd think, geez, yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to hit that shot. Right. And so, and so what is the, um, because it's really interesting when, when we do get to listen, um, when we, on the coverage and, and I think you're right, it, it is really positive and it's, I love this shot for you. You know, I love, and the caddy, and then the golfer goes, yeah, I, I love this shot. Yeah. And it's, look, I yeah. watch it going, for God's sake. Oh no. Oh no. You know, it, 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 it is a lot of that. And, yeah. um, you know, you know, like it is about just trying to be really positive and, and really, really good delivery and, um, you know, being prepared. I think being prepared, oh, like when I first started caddying, I wanted to, I, like, I think everything got there. I want to be good at it. And I remember we went down to the Australian Masters and Fanny Sunison, uh, Fanny Sunison was heading yeah. for Sergio Garcia. Yeah. And we had a practice round with him and I asked her if we could walk around if I could walk around and and I just picked her brain on, on the sort of things that she did. And, um, yeah, you know, there's as much as there can be not a lot in it or there can be a lot in it, how much detail you want to um, get into, you know, to try and, you know, give your player the best opportunity if something does happen, to, if a situation does pop up, you know. Okay. So um, is it a performance then? You know, is it, is caddying, it's, it's, it's the bag and the clubs. Is it also a performance from you f- for the benefit of, for the sole benefit of your golfer to, to keep them in the right spot? Because I'm trying to, yeah, I, guess what, I guess what I'm trying no. to ask is like for us as amateurs without caddies, what can we do that you do for ourselves? Um, yeah, well, that, that's, that's a good point. I think when I, when I went away caddy and I came back, I came back a better player because I started to think about playing the golf. Um, through a caddy's eyes almost, like um, just just play smarter, you know, like hit to the dog legs instead of carrying the tree on the corner. Um, think about, 
the shot going in, you know, where's your best putt going to come from for an uphill putt? Right. Um, you know, little things like that. Okay. Taking bunkers out of play. Just just trying to, you know, limit the mistakes. Because, um, you know, we're like with a, a professional tournament, you're playing four rounds and the first two or three rounds, you're trying to set it up before you get too aggressive. Right. And then round mm. four, it's here we go. Well, yeah, to some point, definitely at some point, you may have to put the, um, the foot down and, and sort of go for some things that you, you may not want to or, or um, you know, sometimes you just get good numbers all day and it's just green light and, uh, you know, <laughs> those days are unreal. Yeah, I love it. Hey, so um, so Paul Sheen, you know, you speak the same language, you understand each other, the, the syntax is pretty much the same, I'm guessing. Then you go from Paul Sheen to Y.E. Yang. Yeah, um, so South Korean yeah, yeah, I, I came to Paul and we had some really good success. He won his first tournament up there in Japan when I caddied for him and had a second. And then we, we went back up there and had a bit of a bad trot. Um, probably, I think we missed about five or six cuts in a row. And I had, uh, anyway, he, he ended up going back to Australia and he, um, well, in, in the end, you know, it's a, it's a uh, ruthless game and he, he fired me up there. Um, which, by the way, Paul and I are great mates to this day. Which yeah. is, you know, it's just one of those things, you know. Anyway, I was so up there for would, one sorry, more week. So sorry, one, one last thing. What, what, were, what was not working? Were you not uh, selling the message properly or? I think during that period, um, he was playing so well early in the year. And then when we went, we came back to Australia for four weeks and we went back over there for about five or six weeks stretch. And in that stretch was the British Open. And he he, he actually played good that week, missed the cut by one or two, but all the other cuts he missed by quite a bit. And he just, he wasn't playing well. And, you know, like I think when your player isn't playing well, as a caddy, you're probably a bit flat as well. Mm. And, you you know, it's hard to get up. And, oh, oh, like, Jesus. you know, it's probably a bit of everything. Like yeah. my body language wasn't, probably wasn't great and yeah. we weren't getting along. And then, you know, it's very similar to a, a, a relationship. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, it's really, you know, if things aren't good, they're not good. And when things are good, they're great. Yeah, it's your tone, and, uh, Jared. Jared, it's your tone. Your th- yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's the seven <laughs> iron, mate. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. A bit, a, a bit of that. A, a bit of that. But, you know, and then you just, you can wear on each other. And, yeah. And, yeah, especially, like I said, when things aren't going well, it's... um. Okay. Yeah, it can be tough. Okay. Yeah, so then, sure. right. So you're in Japan. You've been punted. You hang yeah, around. So I had one week, week left up there. Yeah, I had one week left up there. And I, like, so I rang my wife and said, look, I'm coming home, but I may as well try and get a job for next week um, because I had a flight to the Hokkaido, which is the Northern Island. Um, so I kind of went back into the – in at that time in Japan, you had to register your caddy on a Friday for the next tournament. And it had to be by Friday, 5 p.m. And this is like 3.30 in the afternoon when, you know, Paul said, you know, I'm not playing next week, da, da, da. So I was like frantically looking for someone to work for. I think I asked about five or six guys and no, no, no. And a few weeks earlier, we actually were partnered with Yang in a tournament when we were in contention. And I remember Paul and I both talked about how good a player he was, but he just made some really silly mistakes. And I saw him sitting down. I said, oh, how'd you go this week, Yang? He goes, oh, I've missed the cut. And I said, oh, do you need a caddy for next week? But mind you, we're speaking Japanese. He's Korean, I'm Australian. We're speaking Japanese because that's the only way we can communicate. 
He goes, no, 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 I don't want a foreign player, you know, a foreign caddy. Okay. And by this this time, I'm desperate. So I'm like, Yang, please, we'll have a good week. Please, can I caddy for you? In Japanese. In Japanese. And, uh, he then talks in Korean with his buddy and they're shrugging their shoulders and he goes, rightio, I'll meet you at the course at 9 a.m. on Tuesday. I'm like, rightio. And then I grabbed him. I said, right, come with me. You have to register me. So we did all that and um, I met him uh, on the Tuesday and I was like, geez, after that day, I, I actually, I, I rang my wife up and said, this, this guy's unbelievable. He's such a good player. I think we might win this week. So hang and, on, uh, sorry to interrupt, Jared. So he signs you up, and does that sign you to a fee, or are you just on your whatever five percent? Well, we talked about the fee. We yeah. talked about the fee. He said, How much do you want? I said, This is for the week, and this is the percentage. And he mm-hmm. said, Yeah, rightio. Okay, right. So Sorry. it's all it's all verbal. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just that that's what it is. And uh yeah, when we went up there, he played really good in the practice round and like hit some solid shots. And I thought, oh, he's he's a chance this week. And anyway, he, he ended up winning that week for the first time. Um, and he, he'd never won before, which was pretty cool. And and it was quite, you could see it wasn't me. It could have been anyone. Um, he just Come needed on. a caddy. Right. He, no, he used to make, he used to do things like, you know, it's 150. It's a seven iron. And I'm like, yeah, but it's downwind. And, you know, if you carry that bunker, the ball will roll out five metres, you know, and stuff like that and change his club and, you know, I think he was hitting a lot of good shots and getting himself into trouble. Right. Um, and just by hit, hitting the wrong club. And, uh, yeah, that week he played unbelievable. And I was like, this guy's the real deal, you know. Like, and, um, and so, again, are you, you're, you're doing club discussions in Japanese? Yes. Yeah, the first six months I worked for him, it was <laughs> all in Japanese. So that's pretty amazing to have someone. So he's a professional golfer. And you're, and you can see he's making mistakes, and you've got to talk in a second language, which I'm assuming you're fairly fluent in. But well, mind, mind you, my Japanese is not very good. Okay. So, so would you hold you, up you a know, seven? Was, you, you wouldn't hold up a seven tree like this and go, "It's this." No, no, no. I, I you, could speak I, like it was. My Japanese was okay, and hmm. I'd say my accent was probably pretty terrible. Um, his Japanese was a little better than mine. Um, yeah. I think the Koreans pick it up a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty amazing. Like really, when you think back, you know, we're two people from uh, you know foreign countries and we're speaking Japanese to communicate. But there was a point where, where he just went right. We need to start speaking English because I want to play the US tour. Oh, right, yeah. So we, you know, I just spoke English to him and he just caught on. And we used to have great conversations because a conversation that would take five minutes would take us three or four holes. So it was. Um, yeah, you, you know, like that, that used to kill the time when we're out there yeah. uh, on the course. Well, is that is that maybe one of the um, one of the secrets that, like, you know, lots of professional golfers say that one of the things is just don't think about the game between shots. You know, like think about golf when it's time to hit a golf ball, and the rest of the time. So you guys are probably mongreling around, going, you know, it's tender. <laughs> Oh, look, I, I honestly believe that, a, um, you know, there's great caddies out there, but I think it's more important to be able to get along with the person who's carrying yeah. your bag than to have a great caddy that you, you're not, you haven't quite got a good rapport with. Okay. Yeah, so, how did sure. you, so how did you go? I mean, he took you to America and, and off you went, really? like. Yeah, well, we, uh, in Japan, over about a 
you know, two, two and a half year period, he won five or six tournaments um, and was really dominant up there, um, finishing in the top three in the order of merit. And that, that got him into world golf events and majors. So we, we did a bit of them. And, and then, like, he, he couldn't really, every time we traveled overseas, he, he never really did well. Like, you could tell, it just, he just was, wasn't quite to that level, but you could tell he could get there if that makes sense. So we had a few glimpses of, I think, 2006, it might have been um, the PGA Championship at Baltazar. He was coming tied sixth after after two rounds. Um, so, you, you know, he had, he had a major game, but he just couldn't put four rounds together um, and you so know, what, outside of Japan. So what's, what was that like for you, um, you know, as the bloke on the bag, to, to, to be with someone thinking... So if you're sixth, you know, after two rounds in a major, had like what's your level of excitement? What, how are you well, feeling? Well, I'm probably my. I've got a bit of a problem. I've got the glass half full all the time, so I had us winning it. <laughs> the mind, the mind right, used to so, wonder. Yeah, so you stuffed it up by saying at the end of the third round, we better start working on your speech, mate. <laughs> well, oh no, we never talk about that, but I'll tell you that one was really funny because we um we got home that I remember we got home late that night. I was actually staying with him in, in a hotel room, and we we're both knackered, and we went to bed, and uh, got up the next day about six o'clock in the morning to the tea times, which they were announced later that night, but we didn't see because he was you know at the later end of the group, and there had been some weather delays. He wasn't teeing off till three thirty in the afternoon. So he was pretty much knackered before he teed off. So, that, you know, there's little lessons you learn like that. Um, yeah. You know, in, in Japan, the tee times are a lot tighter together. And over there, you know, we would have been better off, you know, going out and um, staying up till, you know, midnight. Yeah, right. And uh, just to, you know, get, get into a rhythm of um, when you should be waking up, when you should be getting to the course and all, all those things. And and what is the American experience like when you've got a, when you've got a real player to, um, to, to look after? Oh, it's unbelievable! You're inside the velvet rope. You know, once you sort of, you, everything gets given to you. You know, like uh, they get a car every week. They, you know, like the, even caddies get a. Um, you, you know, they've got tents for the caddies for the, for their catering and, and somewhere just to hang out. Um, most weeks he was given a hotel room, and and you know, like I used to book my nights for Monday and Tuesday because I knew on Tuesday night. If he um, if he had a suite with you know one with an extra bedroom he'd um, he'd say I'll oh, just come and stay with me so I'd, I'd just book Monday and Tuesdays and hope that he got a suite that week which, which he normally did because yeah he was a kind of guy Yang where he 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 liked interacting with people so if when we first went to America he, like he had no friends or anything so it was just um, the two of us we we'd just go out for dinner all the time and you know just go and. You know, we'd have weeks off and we'd just go play golf together and just hang out, really. Okay. So now, you were, at this stage, you were not a PGA member. No, no, no. So, I, yeah, I, when I um, finished up with Yang, I, I actually... But you must have been a very good golfer. I was, yeah, I was scratch plus one sort of golfer. Um, did and my... Did you- yeah, I, I, I kind of come back in 2007. I took nine weeks off to go through the. I was kind of. I'd had enough of caddy. Like yeah. I, it, it's a. It's not for everyone traveling the world. Like it was great. I really enjoyed it, but I couldn't imagine doing it forever. 
yeah. because, you know, I had a young family. Um, I wanted to have another child and my wife sort of was like, look, you can keep caddying, but I'm not having another child. But, yeah, you know, but so, you know, I wanted to have another child. So I thought, oh, if I come home, I want to do something in the golf industry, something that I'm interested in. So I thought what I'll do is I'll apply for the traineeship program, take some time off caddying, see if I can get in and and do that. And yeah, in the end, I, I got accepted into the traineeship program and, yeah, did, did that. And is that a, did can you only get accepted into the program by being such a good golfer? Like, can you can't be a four marker. It changes. It, it does change a lot. You do have to have a standard of golf. Um, the standard now is not as high as it used to be. Um, I think when I went through it, you had to be off a two handicap or, or lower. Okay. You have to. You had to um, do some playing assessment rounds. I did like five or six playing assessment rounds, and had to have my average under. A certain amount and then beyond that um had to find a job and go through the interview process through the pga okay so just to finish with um with mr yang you finished with him in 2007 yep yeah we we um when i i finished with him that we won that hsbc tournament in 2006 yeah there and that got him into the top 50 in the world and getting into that top 50 in 2007 we had so many big tournaments to play and I thought that was probably, you know, the I, I wanted to do that year of, um, you know, caddying in all the big tournaments, all the majors, and you know, I really, well, you know, I went to the Masters, and that was, you know, such a highlight as well. So we did that. Didn't have great success, but I, I kind of knew deep down that he would go on, go on with it. He just needed time over there. And so, how yeah, was the how was the Masters did. as a caddy? Yeah, it's great. Like best one of the best weeks of my life. You know. Yeah. Like, I mean, not say the best week of my life, but definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, no, look, it was unreal. It was, uh, yeah, and he, he made the cut. He actually contended a little bit. Like, I think it was a year that Zach Johnson won with two over par. Yeah. And he, at one point, we were five over par, maybe with 27 holes to go. So, so we, you know, we were a chance. Then, um, oh, it was so brutally tough that week. And so, mm. do you watch the scoreboard and, you know, go and you're thinking in your head, oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Oh, come not on. That week. Come on. Yeah. No, not that week. I didn't think, like, it's funny. You get, you do get feelings when you, on certain weeks, and, and they, they tended to always end in a win or a top five. Yeah. Um, when you go, geez, we're a massive chance this week. And you, and you can sort of get it from his body language or seeing him hit on the range and, yeah, but they're pretty cool. Like that tournament in uh, the HSBC in China. Um, even though Tiger was there, Tiger had, had played eight. He had won eight stroke play events in a row, and uh, Yang broke his record there, and Tiger comes second. And that was that was a week where even though there were so many great players there, like it was basically forty out of the top fifty in the world. It was just like, geez, I think we're going to go all right this week, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he, and he, you know, he, he did. And so he knocked off, and, when, when he knocked off Tiger at the HSBC, were you, did you play with Tiger? No, he was a couple of groups in front. What a he shame. He wasn't really, I know, but we played with Retief Goosen actually, and Goosen was leading by two shots and um, it was just, yeah, Yang got off the hot start that day. He had like seven putts in seven holes. Like he just held everything, had a chip in and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, when and we, how, well, how was Goosen? I mean, 
Oh, he's just like a steely, you know, like gives you nothing type of competitor. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, looks so mentally strong. It looks like nothing could bother him. And he was just cruising and just a couple of little things happened. And I just remember looking at him. He kind of he kind of had a couple of soft bogeys at the same time Yang had two birdies. And we went from being tied to having a four-shot lead. Just right. it just happened like that. It was it was unbelievable. And it just sort of you could see when I remember when Yang held a putt, Retief kind of looked up like he looked like he was in a bit, and that was the first time I looked at him and thought, oh, I think we might have him here. Did he did he look at you? Uh not not necessarily at me, but I I looked at him and I could yeah. see he, he kind of looked a bit shocked, you know. I remember what, what a I'm, I'm transpiring. I'm glad you said he's a steely sort of thing because I, I I played in a pro am with him at the Australian Open once. So he said five words for the day, which were <laughs> he said hello and goodbye, and he said it's 140 meters from that mark, and that's all he said for the whole day. Well, that, that's more than um, I got yeah, right. <laughs> hey, do you um, as a caddy do you game the other players? Sorry, do do you game the other players? Like, you know, do you not sledge or anything? But does your behaviour? Oh, do you try to affect their 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 performance with your behaviour or looks or oh or do you know what I mean? No, I like well, not me personally. Um, I, like when I was, I may, things may have changed now. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but um, the guys. You know, like I, I used to like talking to the other players if I could. Like, mm. um, you know, you'd sort of get a read on that pretty early on. Like, um, person didn't want to talk, <laughs> but you know, like guys like Ernie Earls, he he, he loves to chat. Yeah. Um, you, you know, things like that, and you know, sometimes like there's a few players that we used to end up going out for dinner with, and you know, like it, it was there was definitely um, some good rapport amongst the players. Um, we used to get. We used to go out for dinner. Like Ian Polder used to love um, Korean, so we used to go out with Ian Polder quite a lot. Yeah, and uh, he's a great guy. Like uh, he gets a, you know, used to get a lot of bad press, but you know, when you get to know him, he's he's a really really nice guy. He's and, got uh, he's got a very funny quite... in, very funny Instagram account. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a machine. Yeah, he's, in... he's a pest actually. Sorry? He's an Insta pest. <laughs> hey, um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you finished with really? Yang, you came back, you got your ticket, um, and now you're working with, you know, amateur golfers. So mm-hmm. sort of where we were sort of talking a bit at the beginning, where what, where, where do they start? Like with the game blossoming the way it has, lots of new golfers, where, where, where should they begin? What's, this, what's the starting point to, to being acceptable yeah. well, in the golf course? Everyone's, everyone can start at such a different level, but... I find that people that have played sport, um, yeah, you, you know, any any sort of ball sport, can kind of come in and and really get golf straight away. So um, those sorts of people, in my opinion, should just they should just play, just play as much as they can, um, and, and you know get get the odd lesson and but just try and, try and get out there, uh, hit the ball as much as they can, play as much as they can, and, and I find that's what tends to happen, but you get the the people on the other hand who probably haven't come from a sporty background that try and take it up. Um, you know, really they should be looking at uh, playing the game from the green back, and you know, like 
getting a handle on putting and chipping and and then just trying to get longer from there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like when, when they I always encourage new people to the game, when they go out and play, they're not playing competition. So I tell them to tee the ball up on every shot. Oh, okay. Just tee, just tee, tee it up, create a perfect lie, just try and, try and enjoy it and play Ambrose. Like um, a lot of new ladies uh, uh, getting into it, go out, go out and play Ambrose with your husband or a friend. And uh, that don't rely on hitting your own ball all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, just have a shot and then move to the next shot because uh, you can really, you know, if you're not seeing improvement in golf, it can really, um, you know, it's a, as you know, it's a game that drives you crazy at any level. Every level. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's debilitating, you know, like and, it can, and, and utterly exhilarating, you know, how do you shoot? Mm. How do you shoot something great on one day? How do you drive the how can you drive the ball so well one day and not be able to putt and then putt like a bloody pro and not be able to get off the tee? Like it doesn't make any sense. So that's yeah. yeah. How do you explain that? Uh, how do you deal with that also with professional golfers? Like, you know, when when you're caddying, how do you deal with with those swings and roundabouts as well? Well, yeah, um, I guess like oh, oh you just get out what you put in. You really do. Like the guys that practice really hard on the right things, they don't necessarily struggle all the time with those things. They might have ups and downs. Um, but like I, like I caddied, I went back and caddied actually when I finished my traineeship for another guy, uh, D.H. Lee, who still I think he plays on the Corn Ferry Tour. But he wanted me to go up in Japan and caddy for him. And he was such a talented player um, but wouldn't put the work in. And we sort of had enough discussions, I guess, or arguments, if you like, to finally get him to put the work in. And when he put the work in, he never had any issues. And right. you know, he went on to have great success, and he won the um, he won he won he won a few events. And you know, like it all it comes back to like you've got to have the talent, but if you can put that work in, um, which is you know, it's hard. It's hard work. Yeah, that's why I see I see a lot of young guys who want to be pros and. I'll just, I'll be honest, it's, I'll just, they're kind of going the wrong way about it. When you say they're going the wrong way about it, what, what is the wrong way to, I mean, it's, is it practicing the wrong things or? No, they just don't work hard enough. Oh, okay. They're just like, like only because I've seen what it takes. Yeah. Um, I couldn't, there's no way I could do it too. Like the dedication that that's, you know, that, especially um, the Korean golfers that, that you know, I, I can't speak for uh, other countries, but I've caddied for quite a lot of Korean guys. Geez, they work hard. So it's not enough to want to play well. You have to practice them. See, this is what, and this is the, the for us as, as well, you know, you can't just go, I just, I don't get it's, it. You don't get it because you don't bloody practice, you idiots. But we can't no, practice right. at the but moment. It's, so. it's not only that they want it, it's almost like they need it as well. Yeah. So they, they've just got that extra, you know, the, the extra want and need that, um, you know, and you find the great players, they, they do have that, yeah. you know, and they go about it in different ways, They're, you know, a bit stealth-like. But, um, you know, imagine, you know, the Aussie guys, you know, like Cam Smith, I don't know him at all, but he looks like a pretty laid-back character, um, you know, got the long flowing mullet at the moment. And he gives off this sort of vibe that he's a bit of a cruiser, but I'll guarantee he works his butt off. Yeah. Mm. 
So that's what you mean about the stealth mode, just sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, you know, you wouldn't, you, you, you wouldn't know what he's really thinking. No, you wouldn't. You know, you know he's competitive, but like he, he, does, he hides it pretty well. Okay. And so is that, I mean, it's certainly um, something that I find with talking to, you know, professionals and listening to podcasts about them winning the open and things like that. They're all single-minded in their ability to actually play really, really well. They rarely mm. question how good they are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, that's a, that's a gift as well. Like going back to Yang, um, I just knew when Yang had a chance to win, it didn't matter who was on the leaderboard. He, he, he was never going to choke. Right. Someone had to beat him. And, you know, obviously that happens, but he, he was, um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, what's happened to Yang now? What's happened to Yang now? Well, he didn't really, he only started playing golf when he was 19. He only started becoming good when he was in his late thirties. So you know, he's almost 50 now. Okay. Um, so he'll, be, he'll I imagine be on the senior tour in a couple of years, but you know, just that mental, I've never seen anyone as mentally strong as, as him when he had a chance to win. It was, um, you know, he didn't always win, but the other guy had to beat him. And so, so what did he do? Like, I, I think it's, it's fascinating how, did his yeah, demeanor well, change? Did he? Yeah, yeah, it did. It's kind of like, he, you know, his, his chest kind of just puffed out a bit and he just got this look in his eye. You know, he used to say stuff to me like, um, you know, one event, um, I think it was like the, about the third or fourth event that we won, and we're like six shots behind um, starting the day and got off to a hot start. And it was a new event in Japan and there wasn't that many leaderboards around or we weren't taking much notice and got around to about the 12th hole and we saw a leaderboard. And I think Yang was six under for the day, or maybe seven, uh, five, five, five or six. And I still didn't really see a leaderboard, and it was a pretty easy course. I thought that we might be within three or four and a good chance to finish second um, because the, the final grip was behind us. And we have a look, and we're tied for the lead. And he said, where are you, where are you going tonight? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm flying back to Tokyo or whatever. And he goes... Well, as soon as we finish, change your flight to Osaka. That's where we're having the winners' party tonight. And I was like, "Hey, he's up. Let's yeah. just finish the, the game." But you know, he, he went on and won that tournament. But that's the yeah. kind of um, things that he used to say. And yeah. uh, you know, he said he, he said that a couple of times, and it only come off the once where he did actually win. But did you go to Osaka? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you work a lot with uh, you work a lot with juniors. Um, so yeah. if Yang if Yang started playing golf at nineteen, um, Grant Dodd's another one. He started playing golf in his late late teens. How do you? What about the the kids? You know, how do you keep them interested if they're? And I know your daughter's a very good golfer as well. So um, yeah, yeah both my both them. my kids play and they're, mm. they're both pretty good. Um, Look, it's a tough one. Um, that's why, you know, I encourage them to keep playing all sports and keep up their academics, I guess, and all, all that type of thing. But, um, you know, in a per look, it's just I find that in Australia, if you, as a junior, aren't any good, like when I say good, like one of the, you know, top kids by the time you're 18, um, it's like, oh, well, well good try you know, you better go get a job or go to uni and do yeah. that. But the difference, I guess, in Korea, and, you know, it's probably a wealth thing, I'm not sure, but they're 
got they've got guys just coming on the tour at age 26 27 and they're coming on and you know there's a there's a good example um uh well, i know he's quite young actually but he's only just started to really he's 26 or 20 he might even be 30 now but he won not long ago on the us tour kh lee you know and he i think he got on the tour when he was maybe 21 or 22 right but you know a lot of a lot of aussies just stopped playing um, a lot of Aussie kids. Yeah. And we just haven't got the system. We've got a great junior system through to age 18. And it's just my belief that there's not a great system like there is in America where they have their university system. Where, yeah. You know, and some some of our Aussie kids go over there and, and get on scholarships and, you know, something that my wife did when she was younger and, and you know, great great experience for them. And, but we've got nothing over here. For them to keep playing we've got the traineeship and that's basically it but that you know the guys going to that they work 38 hours a week they play golf in a tournament on a monday against each other and they um have got quite a few assignments and you find it wears them down yeah like you know i've got a couple of trainees that work for me and you know like they're they, there's and most tra trainees will tell you this their golf goes backwards during their traineeship yeah, yeah. well there's other so things as well isn't there there's like um there's there's boys and there's girls and there's the TAB account and there's a TAB and there's life and cars and you know there's right. life. There's so many. It's great. There's so many variables. You know, you have life. to be. You, you know, yeah, you have to really like like I said, like some of these guys that do make it and get it. Not only do they want it, it's like they need it as well. Yeah. And um, you know, it's 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 tough. It, it's tough for any Aussie now to make it that doesn't go to America. Okay. And cool and go to Tweed, as I say, I mean, your greens, I couldn't believe it. They were rock hard. Like, you know, it was, you'd, you'd have a, what's whatever, you'd have a eight on. You must have played the West Course. Played the, I loved it. Like, it was really wet. Yeah, so was, the West Course, I think they laid the greens about three years ago. Yeah. The new variety, Tiff Eagle. Yeah. And they just take a few years to settle down, but they've just started to really settle down now. And they're at the point now where they're, they're quite receptive if you hit a good shot. But if you don't hit a good shot, yeah, they're, they're gonna, you're going to get punished. Yeah, sure. I, that's like I was on steroids. I was hitting the ball another 20 metres because it's rolling yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's been great talking to you, Jared. I've really enjoyed it. And I think, you know, there's some good lessons in there for everyone. And before you go, what, what's the one thing everyone should experience in the game of golf before they move on from the game? Uh, hole in ones are always good. Um, no. Look, oh, I just think, you know, being a part of a golf club, um, being a member of a golf club and, and, you know, playing week out, week in, week out. Like, I know one thing, like, Cool and Gatta is a real traditional club in that way where, you, you know, if you're playing a Wednesday and a Saturday, you see the same guys upstairs. You don't necessarily have to play with them, but it's a really good vibe. And, you know, if that's if, if that's what you, you, you think and you want to be social, it's um, it's no better place to be than a golf club, be part of a membership base for sure. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the best tips I've heard about the game of golf is to be part of a club, be part be of the part community. Of Jared, yeah, absolutely. thanks so much for your time. Um, next time I'm up there, hopefully, you know, we can, we can catch up for real instead of being on Zoom. This has been terrific. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I look forward to it.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.